listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Horse Podcast. Uh, we're lucky to have another chat with Laura Graves. Um, this one was kind of short. It's 15 minutes, but of course, it's all about quality and not quantity. Uh, in case you don't know how, who Laura is, which I can't imagine you wouldn't, but just in case you might be new to the sport or something like that, um, Laura burst onto the international dressage scene in 2014 at WEG in Normandy, where she finished fifth in the freestyle with her gelding Vedatus. Two years later, at Rio Olympics, they were part of the bronze medal winning US team, as well as just missing the podium to finish fourth individually. More recently, she won silver in the special at WEG in Tryon, as well as team silver. Laura was out in Australia earlier this year to give a brilliant masterclass at the Brisbane CDI, and that's where I um, did this interview after she'd done the masterclass. Um, she kind of touches a little bit on some of the themes she raised during the, um, the masterclass, so I'd really recommend that you read the notes, uh, and I'll put a link to those in, in the show notes so you can have a read. Uh, it's, oh, geez, she was really good, lots of really good information. Uh, in this interview, Laura talks about US dressage and what that actually means, the high scores we've been seeing recently in the dressage arena, the importance of experience, competitiveness, what exactly is rider fitness, the elusive half-halt, <laughs> the importance of having high expectations and how she likes to obtain her horses. And she also talks about FOMO. Yes, Laura Graves experiences FOMO. Um, I guess we should start, like, there's so many things I could ask, but you started saying like the US system, like stamping the muck in the last five years and all that. Yeah. Do you want to expand on a bit of that, how you see what the US maybe training system? I know everyone's a bit individual, but... Yeah, yeah, and I think you have that uh, from country to country. Every rider has their own slight t- yeah. difference in the technique. Yeah. But I think really how we're, we're stamping our horses is for the first time in a long time, we're seeing riders that have brought horses themselves from the starting mm. point to being a Grand Prix horse. And we're moving a little bit on from the point where we were just purchasing made Grand Prix horses from other countries. Um, and that's a big deal. And I don't think you really see what um, a country or a system is capable of until they've actually trained the horse themselves um, and, and solved problems themselves. And I think we have a lot in our country that we owe to, for sure, Robert, um, Dover mm. and and now Debbie who's been my personal coach for a long time but who have maintained um, and never waver from doing what is very best for the horse yeah um, and saying enough is enough this is not how we ride this is not how we train we only work like this mm. we, we have you know and and really being um, on top of all of us as they're trainers and riders, and so are we. Yeah. And it's yeah. it might you might think that it could be kind of a contest of egos, but it never is. Right. And it's important, and we all work so well together that we, you know, you have to have someone hold you accountable. Mm. Um, and we all want what's best for the horses in the end, but we um, go to all these top competitions in the world, and you can look around and you can say, that's interesting. You know, and they maybe produce a high result, but that's not the same pathway that we want to take to get there. Yeah. Um, we want our horses to last a really long time. We're still a little bit 
shallow in terms of our depth. Mm -hmm. We are definitely digging and we're growing, but compared to a country like Germany who has, there are multiple riders who have multiple Grand Prix horses Mm -hmm. and we're not quite there yet. And so we do have to say we have to be, we can't risk losing this horse, right? We can't train in a way that risks our horses. And even if we could, I don't ever want to be a person or a country that becomes in a way where the horses are disposable. Yeah, yeah. So that's really what character, but you know, that fair training of the horse. Yeah. And training for longevity, but still getting the results. Yeah. I guess. Isn't yeah. It? And um, how would you say you keep your training relevant, or is that even a thing? Like, yeah, is training training? I mean, well, you've just said it, it's a it bit is. different. But. It, it is, but there's also, I mean, you look at where the sport has come over the years. Yeah. If we didn't evolve, we wouldn't be seeing horses and riders reach 80, 90% mm. in the freestyle. Mm. So something's changing. I think a lot of it is the quality of the horses. You know, we're just breeding like these freaks of nature. And we're also really understanding, you know, what's what's capable um, what these horses are capable of. And, um, when you don't know until you see it and until you felt it. So it's important to, to travel and to see these things and you go, Oh, oh, okay. I'm going to go home and I'm going to see if my horse will do that. (laughs) And it's really important in that way. Um, but I think you have to stay relevant in that way. If you always stay, and I've said this from the beginning, if you always stay the big fish, then you never grow. Yeah. So I would rather be a small fish. I would rather be at Aachen finishing top 10 mm. than winning in America. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. because that's how you grow is seeing it's not even just you might only have a horse that's capable of so much. You might never have an 80% horse, but you can watch how accurately yeah the, the riders ride or you can watch how how um structured they are in their schedule that they're getting up at their certain time of day they're going to the gym they're eating their breakfast you can learn something mm. in some way from being around other people who are excellent in their, yeah. in their field yeah yeah what if it, name one thing that you've picked up so from Aachen with that sort of thing that's a big question oh, like, i mean there's probably heaps I mean, well, I think there's also just this, this healthy competition factor. Yeah. You know, when you look around and you can say, okay, well, I can just be mediocre and be the best, Mm. then what is the real motivation? So I think when you really see that if you're not completely focused, if you're not completely on your game, if you're distracted mentally, if you're too rough on your horse, if you're, you know, whatever little mistake you make, um, it requires a great deal of self-control. And I think this, this is really the skill that you have to learn to be in that top tier is producing excellence, but also being able to have the self-control, uh, to not go over the top, right? Okay, yeah. Where, yeah. where it's too much and it's the horse's eyes are big like yeah. this. And, um, and and being learning to be a showman. Yeah. But that's also like, you know, you're obviously everyone in that top level is like so super competitive. Yeah. But then it's um, not taking it too far. Or do you think competitiveness that you got to be that's got to be you got to be born with it or can, you can't teach it can you you can probably train it like you're suggesting yeah. do you reckon you can teach it or I mean I think if you're not competitive 
I don't think you would find yourself in this situation. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, because you would back off for some reason or another. Um, you have to be the kind of person, um, and I don't think that everybody enjoys it. No. Okay. I think there are people who are competitive, but they don't enjoy it. That they're competitive and they can't help it and they want to compete, but it's a little bit. It a little bit um, is difficult for them emotionally. Yeah. And then there are people like me who are just crazy. And I have like, <laughs> I mean, okay, you said that. I'm, no. ju- I'm, just, I'm just an animal, and so when I'm competitive, I'm like just hungry and wild. And you but then know, you still got to be controlled. Primitive, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah but uh, I think we saw That's like funny. with the last horse today. It's all about just having the self control. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was interesting, actually. Yeah. Don't use your leg. Don't use, and it, we all do it. Like yeah. you know, body Instinct. control and Instinct. mental control, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We'll get there. Um, talking about today, oh, the other thing you said, not today, but you said somewhere else, which you might be exp- want to expand on, which I thought was quite good, is that you train, God, I wrote it down. I can't remember what it was. Something about, um, you're always training to be strong in the right places and quiet in that strength. Yeah. Can you just expand it? Because I quite like that. Yeah, I think, I think um, people talk about how you have to be strong you have to be fit to be a rider mm. and i think the greatest part of our fitness comes from being able to be effective mm-hmm. but then being fit enough to stay out of the horse's way oh like it right yeah. so you have to be strong but not strong in a way that you're rough with your hands or your legs mm. but that's a that's an effectiveness and a timing situation yeah everybody who can kick a soccer ball can kick a horse yeah okay yeah. that's not yeah. any gift to the horse but it's a timing thing and a fairness thing and then once you have created something that's really amazing then the strength part comes in that you have to be strong enough to stay up there and not disrupt what you just created yeah, yeah. that's good I like that a um, couple of things from today as well um, like I think the half halt thing is quite interesting you said I hate that word half halt yeah. but it is, it is interesting and just talk a bit about that Yeah, I think the word half halt is so overused. It is just, and I find it so annoying because especially like if, if my trainer said it to me, I would say, okay, because I can feel what combination of things I need at this moment. But in general, most people and myself included sometimes if you just told me half halt, that's for me a general word that I use that means I touched the horse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? Yeah. So a half halt to me could be both legs and both reins. Yeah. It could be two legs and one rein. It could be two reins and one leg. Yeah. It could be wherever Any you feel the horse needs your help in rebalancing. Yeah. So when I just say half halt, give him a half halt, then it would be assuming that the rider knew exactly how to touch the horse. Okay. So I find it more directive, both when I'm riding and I'm kind of talking to myself, but especially when I'm teaching, is this word is kind of used like everyone just is going to understand. Yeah. And it's like, well, just give him a half halt. It's like it's not as simple no. as that. No. So do I need left rein? Do I need right rein? Yeah. Do I need a leg what what do i need to make this this happen yeah yeah um so today what would you want people to walk away with today i mean there's a thousand things people are going to walk with today but if there was one thing you want them to remember 
Yeah, I mean, I hope the the major takeaways when I teach are um, having extremely high expectations, right? That we don't ever sell ourselves short, but that we always maintain a real fairness in how we treat the horse. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I'm going to ask him to give me everything he's got, but that I'm really careful in how I correct him, how I educate him, and that I never will touch the horse out of anger or frustration, but that it doesn't mean you never kick the horse, it doesn't mean you never touch with the whip, but it is always for the purpose of education. education yeah. yeah. And I think being really clear in how we try to translate our message to the horses, that is our job in the saddle, is to communicate with them. Mm. And you have to have a purpose. Mm. And I think sometimes we have this complicated idea like a half halt or like, <laughs> oh, you have to be in self-carriage or, oh, I have to make collection. The horse doesn't understand no. that. Yeah. So um, really trying to make sure that the communication is clear and the horses are interested and excited yeah. and... And so your plans from um, here on, uh, no, not forever and ever. What are you planning for the rest of your life? <laughs> You're obviously planning for next year, hopefully. Yeah. You're looking at World Cup, yep. Tokyo and all that. Yeah. So how are you planning for now? Everyone's on a bit of a little break of sorts, but keeping yep. fit. Yeah, we do have um, obviously a team that just did really well at Aachen. They just finished third in the Nations Cup. Um, but I am, my top horse is, he's fit right now I would say he's competition fit right now and he will have another little break this fall um, but we obviously held him back from competition just for the sake of his legs mm -hmm. um, he's won Aachen now he's done everything so and he has a big year next year um, I would try to qualify for the World Cup because it's in Las Vegas which would be a nice easy trip for us um, and and then we try to move forward for, for Tokyo. So, yeah, both Casey Perry, who has our, our number two American horse, and I both stayed, we both kept our top horses at home mm. this summer, which is, I think, the first summer for me in six or seven years. Is that hard? <laughs> I didn't think it was. You going crazy? I was, no, I was doing just fine. And I, I talked to my teammates all the time, and I keep in touch no. with, with Casey three times, four times a week. We talk all the time, if not almost daily. Um, I talk with Adrian all the time. Um, but then when Aachen started, <laughs> I was really, I really, I had some serious FOMO. And I was just wishing, I was wishing I was there. Yeah. But I knew it, it was the right choice. Yeah. But you can't you had to leave the country to cope. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did not even look at my horse in order to be able to go. But, of course, I'm sitting there at dinner last night with the live stream yeah, like, yeah. pressing refresh because it just is really exciting for yeah, me. Yeah, it is. You still love it. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can't help it. No. So what's, what's the next horse? You hope. You must have something because you love it so much. You're not going to let it lie. Yeah, I do. I do have a couple really nice mares. Um, oops. I'm oh. always looking for... For something else I would love to Time's add <laughs> another one to my barn yeah um but they're they're both very young one is four and one is six okay and so it'll be quite some time I like I said I'm not going to take um a European or a horse from anywhere that is schooling the Grand Prix and try to make it you mine. don't want to do that I will not no. it's just not fun for me okay um I enjoy the training process and I enjoy 
getting on a horse and I'm going to take down center line and know, have a pretty good idea of what went into it. Yeah. yeah. And, and what I'm going to get out of it. Yeah. You know, and I think taking over someone else's ride, it's a really different feeling. I've been very blessed in my current situation that I know my, my top horse goes in there and does what he does for me. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's yeah. something that when a horse is kind of tossed around from this person to that person, you lose that. Mm. And that's, that's what is in this sport for me. It's about this. When I ride down center line, it's not that it's dressage. It's that it's this horse. It's fighting for And you. me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what's really fun to watch. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yay. Good luck. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. You're probably exhausted. Look. Done. <laughs> <laughs> 15. <laughs>